You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. And before we get going, we've got to talk a little bit about DraftKings. And you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. It's simple. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel a sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion across all our sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Again, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Really appreciate you tuning in. And make sure you give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. Today on the show, we've got a fun one. We're going to talk to Alan Mitchell from TSN 1260 and The Athletic. We'll get his thoughts on the Duncan Keith trade, the expansion draft, and what the Oilers might do heading into free agency and the NHL draft. We're also going to talk to Charlie Rumiliotis, he covers the Chicago Blackhawks for NBC Sports out in the Windy City. He'll get his thoughts on the trade as well. He'll give us a little bit of a scouting report on what Oilers fans can expect from an aging Duncan Keith and his whole thoughts on the trade for the Oilers. Other than that, there was another trade on Wednesday. They send goaltender Dylan Wells to the Carolina Hurricanes for future considerations. We don't know exactly what those future considerations might be. It could be a, a late round pick. It could be a prospect. Might be a box of jerk shirts. Who knows what will come back from that. But for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Dylan Wells obviously not going to be part of their future. They were not going to qualify him. And by sending him to the Carolina Hurricanes, it somehow gives them a goalie that they can put open for the grabs on the expansion draft market. And uh, so they're going to do that. And for the Oilers, you're losing a guy who you selected back in 2016. He was a fifth-round pick, 123rd overall came from the Peterborough Peets and never really got a shot with the Oilers. Of course, spent time on the taxi squad and, you know, got a chance to watch and see what was going on. Obviously, the Oilers got a first-hand look at him, decided that they're going to go elsewhere with the goaltending position of the future. He spent time with the Wichita Thunder in the East Coast League and the Bakersfield Condors in the AHL. Good for him, though. He'll get a chance. He'll be qualified by the Carolina Hurricanes and hopefully continue his hockey career. When you look at the Oilers' goaltending, though, this really isn't the biggest surprise. Obviously, Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, they've got Stalock on the roster. That's kind of the immediate uh, plan for the Oilers' goaltending. We'll see what happens in the offseason. Maybe Miko Koskinen has moved and they find a way to bring someone else in. But when you look at the Oilers' draft strategy the last few years, it's almost like they draft one goalie and just hope that it works out. Obviously, Stuart Skinner was a guy they selected back in 2017. Then in 2018, it was Olivier Rodrigue. And then in 2019, Ilya Konovalov, who they just signed playing in the KHL. I think he's someone that the organization is high on. He was a third-round pick a couple of years ago. Last season, no goalie was selected. So maybe, just maybe, the Oilers are looking at a goalie in the upcoming draft. And I know if you're in the Edmonton area, you've heard a lot about Sebastian Kosa of the Edmonton Oil Kings. A big guy, plays well with a good defense in front of him. That might be there at number 19 in this upcoming NHL entry draft. So the Oilers goaltending, 
I think they're in pretty good hands. And for Dylan Wells, I think this was just kind of a good move for the organization. Gives him a shot, and I think they're pretty happy with their future at the position. Other than that, for the Edmonton Oilers, not a whole lot going on. Zach Hyman from the Toronto Maple Leafs was given permission to seek a trade. Obviously, he is an unrestricted free agent coming up. But if you can acquire his rights and you get the chance to negotiate with him... That could go a long way, and the Edmonton Oilers have been rumored to be in that conversation, so we'll have to keep an eye out for that and see what happens. For the Oilers now, I think all attention has to be at the upcoming expansion draft. Of course, the Seattle Kraken joining the NHL. The Oilers are in pretty good shape for the second straight expansion draft. Of course, if you go back to Vegas, they lost Griffin Reinhardt. He didn't play long for them. Then he went to the KHL, now he's playing in Germany, and... uh I think that's hopefully what the Oilers will have going again this time. I think you're going to lose a little bit more just the way things are going, and that's probably how it's going to be for the good teams in the NHL. But I think the Oilers are going to be in pretty good shape with this one. Uh, you look up front, McDavid, Drysaddle, Nuge, PRV, Yamamoto, Archibald. For me, it's Tyler Benson, but you might have Zach Cassian. For me, I think if you were to lose Zach Cassian, you clear some space. He's been an inconsistent player, so it's not the worst. Plus, you get a guy in Tyler Benson who's ready to make that jump to the NHL. He'll be on a low-level contract, and it could work out pretty well. I've got a lot of faith in what the Condors organization has done developing players. So I'm ready to let Tyler Benson be protected, let him jump up, and risk it with Zach Cassian. On the blue line, of course, Darnell Nurse, Duncan Keith, and Ethan Bear. Hopefully Adam Larson does not sign before the expansion draft. If you can get Adam Larson and Mike Smith signed immediately following the expansion draft, I think you're in great shape. That allows you to protect Stuart Skinner as well. And, I mean, I think those would just be outstanding moves for Ken Holland and appease the fan base just a little bit for those who are still a little salty about the Duncan Keith deal. Like I said, on the show today, we will talk to Charlie Rumliotis of NBC Sports out in Chicago. He, of course, covers the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll get his thoughts on the deal, and he'll let us know what he thinks Duncan Keith has to offer for the Edmonton Oilers. But right now, let's get to a conversation that I had with Alan Mitchell from TSN 1260. He also writes at The Athletic. Give him a follow on Twitter at Low Tide. Al, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm I'm enjoying the weather. Summertime is good, even though all we do is talk hockey in this town. <laughs> it's still nice to have the sun out and the warmth of the sun while we talk about hockey. Al, I got a chance to go down to the Elks practice on Monday, I think I went, and Sunday, sitting out in the sun watching football. Such a nice change. I'm not going to lie. Like I know they practice right during your show, but if you ever wanted to play hooky and, and skip and come on down, uh, you're more than welcome to join Hernan and myself in the stands. Well, I, you know, I don't ordinarily get to hang around with cool people like you two, so maybe I will, you know. It's enticing, I, I understand, but well, that'll be the last elk talk we'll have on the show today. It's all Edmonton <laughs> Oilers, of course, and, you know, just when we think nothing's going to happen, last Monday the reports come out that Duncan Keith might want to be traded to Canada or out west, and the Oilers could potentially be his number one destination. Fast forward a week later, and... uh you know, it, it's happened. Duncan Keith now a member of the Edmonton Oilers, obviously. The no retained salary is something that a lot of people point to to, to you know, rip on the deal. What were your first thoughts when you saw the full, uh, just the full detail come to play and, uh, you know, the reports with no retained salary? For me, the big thing was the the not retained salary. Look, I, I'm I'm a Duncan Keith fan. I love watching him play, uh, and I like I I recall watching him play and thinking, and it wouldn't have been last year; it would have been maybe the year before uh, that that he's a little slower, but he's still such an effective player. 
and and I didn't really see him this past year. So the numbers suggest that that he with the puck he's still uh, uh, pretty darn good. And if he plays against soft opposition like the third line or third pairing, uh, he's going to do some some good things. Uh, I. I was really surprised there was no cap retention on this player. And I think uh, you we're getting to know Ken Holland as a general manager. I think he makes a list. And Hall, or, uh, Keith was probably at the top of the list, and, and Holland went out and got him. And I think we're going to see the same thing here with Zach Hyman and others. As we discover Ken Holland as a general manager, he makes his list and he goes after it. And for him, an overpay isn't a tragedy, and and some Oilers fans are going to have a hard time with that, and others are going to be fine with it. Strictly looking at Duncan Keith on the ice, what do you think he brings to this team, and where do you think the ideal position is in the lineup? Well, he's Duncan Keith is a puck-moving defenseman. He's a really good passer. He's got great instincts offensively. Uh, he can skate the puck up. He's, he's a clever uh, player, uh, can, can pass through seams, can see things. Uh, I, I think he's also a good shot blocker. He's a little bit filthy. He's not a, he's not a, I'm not saying he's a dirty player, but he's not a, a, a wallflower either. He'll get involved. And, and I, I think if you have Adam Larson on the other side, on the right-hand side, that that pairing probably will play uh, second pair minutes and and saw off or close. I'll say between forty eight and fifty percent of of possession and goals. We'll see who they're with, but that would be my guess. Let's veer off onto that because uh, well, we'll get back into Duncan Keith. But with Adam Larson. When I talked to Reed Wilkins maybe a month and a half ago, he said he thought 99% sure they'd get a deal done with Larson. I think a lot of people thought it's just kind of a match made in heaven. Both sides seem to like each other, and it, it would make a whole lot of sense. And if you do re-sign him, perfect partner for Duncan Keith. But, I mean, there is still a chance that he, he explores free agency for the first time in his NHL career and, and goes elsewhere. What do you think the odds are that there is that plan to ink the deal after the expansion draft? I think it's high. Uh, I think uh, we're, we're when you when you're around expansion drafts. There's a there's a period at which it, it becomes trust but verify, and and where, where you're you'll hear a lot of things like uh, I see uh, in the news Shea Weber isn't going to be protected because of a uh, an injury. There, there's a lot of stuff that happens in every expansion draft ever in NHL history. There's a bunch of this where veterans aren't protected, and they you know uh, in the first couple players would say well. I'm going to retire now. I'm not going to play. And then magically they'd be, they'd return and, and they'd be healthy. And I think in, in the case of Adam Larson there, you know, he probably is pondering a couple of different offers, but I think he's likely to play for the Edmonton Oilers next season and for the next three or four. So let's say worst case scenario, Adam Larson, he takes his talents elsewhere and you've got a situation where Duncan Keith is your second pairing left defenseman, Who's on the right side opposite? Is it Evan Bouchard by default, or do you think they they look to free agency to try to bring someone else in? Well, I think what they might do, if they can't get Larson done, it might depend on what Tyson Berry's price tag is. Mm -hmm. Nurse and Berry played very well uh, a year ago together as the top pair, so you might slide... Duncan Keith down to Ethan Bear. Now that would be a little bit of an undersized pairing, so you might want to stay away from that. But uh, Bouchard is a flat-out like rookie, and if you're going to play with Duncan Keith, I think you'd want to do that as a third pair option uh, because you, you you would 
will really want uh, the coaching staff to be able to uh, put them in, in good positions, like offensive zone starts, or or you know maybe when the other the other team has iced the puck or something along that, those lines, or or on the fly when the puck is going north, because the Bouchard is a very fine young player, but but because they they brought him along so slowly, he doesn't have a lot of NHL experience, and if he's playing big minutes uh, against tough competition, that might be a really difficult way for him to to uh, play his first full NHL season. Alan Mitchell joining me here on the Other Connor podcast discussing the Edmonton Oilers and the acquisition of Duncan Keith. Now, uh, I remember back when Adam Oates joins the Oilers, there were some people that thought potentially a little over the hill, doesn't doesn't have that much to offer, but the effect that he had on the team's young center, something in Sean Horkov, Ram Murray, Jarrett Stoll, uh, and just what he did with them in the face-off circle, I mean, that, that paid off down the road for the Edmonton Oilers. They currently have a lot of young defensemen. Ethan Bear, Evan Bouchard will be in the lineup this year, and potentially, maybe we see a little bit, maybe into next season, Philip Broberg. How much of an effect do you think Duncan Keith will have on these guys? Because I've talked to a few beat reporters from Chicago already, and they say he's more than willing to work with these young guys. Yeah, I, I think that, that everything we've heard about Duncan Keith has been positive. So, you know, the 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 idea that he's going to come here and be a mentor uh, and help players along, I think is, you know, reasonable. There's a lot we can't you know that we don't know. We don't know what happens in the, in the room or any of those things. But his reputation is really strong, and you know if the owners do have success, uh, this is one thing that Keith has is come at a really good time. This team has made the playoffs two years in a row. They're, they're they really want to win a round or two. That's the next step here. So he comes along at a time when they need some some more veterans, and he is certainly one. And I think the coach is going to rely on him heavily. So the chances of success here, if he can play at the level that the Oilers clearly believe he can, uh, it, it's going to bode well for not just for him, but also the young players uh, like you know he's a little bit he's not a big man so he may be able to help Ethan Bear um learn how to play a little stronger even if you're if you don't necessarily have the ability to lean on a guy who is bigger than you maybe there's some things that he's learned along the way that Bear could utilize in his own game now the Oilers leadership group Connor McDavid the captain obviously Nugent Hopkins dry settled Darnell Nurse Adam Larson if he returns those guys all wear letters i don't think Duncan Keith is a guy that needs to wear a letter I think, you know, just the way he's played or the, the you know, especially the success, uh, the length of his career, to me, he seems like the kind of guy that, you know, they can count on, they can lean on to go to him, you know, and he doesn't need that letter. I mean, how, just how big of a deal is that to bring that guy into the room, especially looking at that, he's won on every level. He's got a WHL championship. He's got the Stanley Cups. He's got Olympic gold. Like, this guy's a pure winner. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the... The orders, I believe, and I, I don't like criticizing, uh, uh, you know, the past because it's it's long gone. But I think they made a a little bit of a mistake when they brought in Andrew Ference because they they made him the captain and they they made him the de facto leader before he really had had a chance to, you know, work his way into the community or onto the roster. And I think that was a mistake because it it, it didn't. He was a, 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 I mean, you know, fine player. I watched him play for for uh, Boston for years, and, and a, a very fine player. But I think it put him in a position that was difficult, and I don't know that that it ever really clicked and 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 like they wanted it to. So I think Keith coming in just as being the leader that he is uh, is probably the the right way to go. And as you say, uh, he doesn't need that. You know, he's got the 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 kind of veteran savvy and reputation that. 
you know, maybe he's going to get a call or two that, that ordinarily the Oilers wouldn't get because he's Duncan Keith. We'll see, but he does have that kind of, of reputation, and he is so well-known, and it's not you know, unheard of for a player to, to bring that kind of, of uh, ability and reputation to a new team and have it rub off on some guys, so we'll see. So overall, thumbs up or thumbs down on the move, factoring in the return and the salary? Well, I would say that, that, that I, I, I think the trade is a loss for the Oilers. And, and the reason I think it's a loss for the Oilers is because of the cap. There was no retention. That's not a reflection of Duncan Keith. I think he's a fine player, and I think he'll do well here in Edmonton. He's, he's absolutely an Oiler type of player. He's, he is not a, a strictly a finesse uh, defenseman. He has finesse, he has skill, but he's not strictly that. The, the, the issue comes with the cap and the gap in the cap. So uh, I, I said earlier, I think that, that if Chicago had retained a couple of million, this would have been an even trade. So I, I don't think it's the kind of trade you, you absolutely lose your, your brain over, but I think that it's fair to say that the Oilers overpaid, and as I said earlier, I don't think Ken Holland would be upset by that. He wants to go get his guy and, and believes that at times you have to overpay, and in this case, that's w- what I believe he did. So yesterday on Five Questions, I asked Jason Greger, if you're Ken Holland, what's the next thing on your checklist here? For me, it was trying to work out deals with Adam Larson and Mike Smith, deals that you're going to sign immediately following the expansion draft, just so you don't have to worry about protecting them. If you're Ken Holland, what's up for you? Well, I think my number one move, and it's not those things, although those are important, I would try to make a trade for a goaltender like a Chris Dreger and sign him and protect him in the next few days. It might be difficult or impossible, but they've got a free spot there, and I don't see any... You know, you're probably going to sign Mike Smith anyway, but if you if you can secure the goaltender that's going to play with Mike Smith and offload Miko Koskinen somehow, then then I think you're you're well on your way. Then you'd only have your Larson and Smith to sign, and then you'd have to get your center and your McDavid winger. So in a summer where they've got, you know... A few things, like five, say, things to do, but they're major things, so it's going to be uh, difficult and a lot going on. If you can, can get one more done, that goaltender, before the expansion draft, and there's a free spot there on the bingo card, he can make a trade with a team that has two goalies because he doesn't have to protect anyone. That's probably what I would consider the priority. Al, uh, one of my favorite tools going into the expansion draft is the simulator at Cap Friendly. I always bring it up, basically any interview I have now on this podcast, just to just to see if there's any confusion or disagreements going into this. Now, defensively right now, I'm just going to look at, we probably both agree Darnell Nurse is protected, obviously. You don't have any hot takes on that one and say no? You, you said Darnell Nurse? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, was, I was just having a little bit of a shock there. <laughs> Yes, I think they'll protect him. <laughs> okay, just I, I I don't know. You've said some outlandish things in your time. I just want to make sure and, and not skip anyone. Uh, Duncan Keith obviously has to be, and then I would assume we both agree it's Ethan Bear. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, goaltending. Are you going Stuart Skinner as we sit right now? No, I, I would. I the reason I wouldn't protect Skinner is because I, I would. <laughs> that's my dog. I would give the the. Uh, uh, expansion team the opportunity to maybe get a goaltender like that and then stay away from the the forwards the the 
there, I think there's a vulnerability for the Oilers. They don't have a lot of forwards, and so that's the area that I probably would would put Skinner out there, and I would protect another goaltender, um, uh, probably Staylock. Okay, okay. So I'm going to click that one in there. I assume your dog did not like what you were saying and agrees with me. Stuart Skinner. Stuart Skinner, big fan. <laughs> big big fan. fan. Always has been. Uh, up front, uh, after the way you handled my Darnell Nurse question, I'm just going to click in Connor McDavid, Dry Seidel, Nugent Hopkins, PRV, um, and Yamamoto. Yeah, Jesse Pogliarvi and Yamamoto. That gets us to five. That gets us to five. For me, the one that I, I think you, you got to keep him in your bottom six is Josh Archibald. Do you disagree? No, I, I would protect Josh Archibald. Okay, it's getting good. We're, we're on the same page here so far. So the other one now, to me, it's between Zach Cassian and Tyler Benson. I go protecting the youngster Tyler Benson. What do you do? I, I protect Tyler Benson for two reasons. Number one, you need value contracts. Number two, you you don't know... You don't know what Tyler Benson can do yet. And then the other thing is, and, and people will hate me for this, Cassian is at 3.2, he's probably overpaid by a little over a million. So if, if, if and he's an attractive player. I, do, I, I'm not, I don't have a grand dislike for him. I think Cassian does a lot of good things. So if, if the Kraken take him, that gives you a little more in free agency, and you might have to spend 1.5 on a similar type player, but that gives you that extra money that you can spend in other areas that you may need to. Al, I agree with you 100% there. And, I mean, if, if Cassian goes, yeah, like you said, you clear some salary space, you lose a veteran presence, but the way that the Bakersfield Condors and Jay Woodcroft and his staff have developed prospects over the last few years, I'm really confident that Tyler Benson's going to come in here and, and find a role. And, I mean, he was drafted second round, uh, very early in the second round, almost a late first-round pick, basically. The talent's there. I, I kind of want to see what he can do, so I, I don't want to risk losing him, but I do like your idea there with the goaltender and kind of dangling Stuart Skinner out there and, and maybe keeping all your forwards. Yeah, and, and the thing about Tyler Benson is that, and I watched him in Bakersfield every year of his career, not every game, but I watched him uh, play. He is he's he's a great passer. He can he can uh, win pucks along the boards. Uh, he's got inside the offensive zone. He has more skill than you than you would believe when you first see him. And his foot speed isn't terrible. I think people give him, he's got a bad rep for foot speed. He's you know he's not a breakaway guy, but he can play and he's a smart player. And I I think that people when they see him in the National Hockey League as he gets comfortable, they're going to be really impressed, especially with his passing. That man can pass the puck. Al, the the buyout window open. We've seen the Minnesota Wild do some some things that are, in my opinion, just downright shocking. I don't know what they're going to do for the next, well, next year they'll be okay, but the next three years after that, I don't know what they're going to do in free agency. For the Oilers, uh, Miko Koskinen potentially could be bought out. James Neal, uh, well, Jason Greger was reporting that he will be bought out after the expansion draft. What do you think happens with those two? I think Neal gets bought out. I, I think... Uh, here the three players that I that I think about in in these terms are um, you, you've got Koskinen who you might be able to trade retaining some money you've got Neil who I think they will buy out uh, and then there's Kyle Turris who I, I think what they'll probably do is 
uh, if he doesn't make the team, and he, you know, you bring him to camp, why not? But if he doesn't make the team, you probably option him, and at that point he may balk at it, and then he would get his money, but he would no longer be uh, part of the organization. And I think all of those things are are very possible to likely. The only thing I will say is that that sometimes general managers. They just don't like to buy guys out, and if they can find a workaround or find they don't need the money, then I think Neil might be the guy to stay. Now, Al, just a couple more questions for you. Uh, eventually, we are going to get to the NHL draft, and you know, I, I think for the Edmonton Oilers being in spot 19, it's a great position. Uh, maybe a guy slides to you, and you're able to, to get some great value at that spot, but there's also talk about Sebastian Kosa, goaltender for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you know, maybe he could be the guy who's sitting there. What would be your strategy going into this draft? I mean, is there an area of need you want to target, or do you just wait and see what happens and see if anyone falls to you? The, the there's two things that I I would do. I would if I'm the owners, I identify three or four players I like at that number, and we'll say one is Kosa, and and there's a couple of others, probably forwards that you like. And if if they're gone, and what you what you what you have left isn't stellar, isn't from your A list, then trading down is an option. Say from 19, get get something later in the first round and something else in the, the second or early third round because they don't have any picks there. I think that's an option. If Kosa is there, I probably take him over, depending upon any forwards that are available there, but I would probably take him because uh, this is a year where all of the usual uh, observations, scouting, interviews, uh, background checks, all that stuff that you would do on a player aren't aren't really available to you. And this kid is, I mean, I can't imagine how many times a management person or a scout from the Oilers has seen him play. And and I'm not saying he's a sure thing, because you never say that, but he's, he's gigantic, he moves well. I've talked to guys who know way more about goaltenders than I do, and they love his lateral movement. So whatever his weaknesses may be, I think he could work on them. So I think Kosa would be, you know, if I'm the owners, he probably would be number one or so on my list. If he's not available and a couple of the other guys aren't available that I like, then I might consider trading down. My good friend and your good friend Jason Strudwick is preaching that, you know, maybe a trade down just just to build up that cupboard and uh, fill it up with more draft picks. I mean, I guess that's an option too, right? Well, the thing about it is if you trade down, you've got a better chance of drafting more Strudwicks. <laughs> Strudy was like, let's just trade it down for five fourth-round picks. <laughs> See, they're all Strudwicks. The that's fundamentalists. <laughs> Al, thanks. Oh, <laughs> he just wants people like him around. Yep. Uh, that's no, why he has that I camp. Think- I think Kosa might go earlier, and I think trading down might happen. But I, I, I will tell you that if Kosa's still on the, on the board, and the orders are about to pick, I, I would bet your house that they're going to take Kosa. <laughs> That's a fair deal, and I, I sure. just, I mean, the way we've seen Oilers Nation react to things this off season, and I'm going to start with Devin Shore. I would just love to see the people that go crazy about another Oil King being drafted. Funny, the Devin Shore thing really surprised me. In a world where I don't know why I'd be surprised, uh, I, the, you, 
they're signing out like a seven hundred and fifty or eight hundred fifty thousand dollar guy for two years. He could be put on the bench. He could be sent to Bakersfield. Uh, the the coach clearly likes him. But that was a deal that happened right at the beginning of the off season, and I think people used it as a um, sort of a barometer. And, and they didn't use a very astute Ryan Nugent Hopkins signing as a barometer. And I found that interesting because I think you know I, I think most Oilers fans want to be fair. But this year, for some reason, maybe it's because there's so much on the line and people feel like this is Connor McDavid's last. You know, if they blow this, he wants to be out. I've never gotten the feeling that Connor McDavid ever wanted to leave the, the Oilers, but, but there's that sense out there that he will if they're not perfect. Uh, I, I got news. NHL teams aren't perfect. They don't draft perfectly. They don't trade perfectly. Uh, but Connor McDavid is a typical hockey player, and those guys want to win with their group, and his group is Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse. So the, the owners need to do their due diligence. He, he's farther into his career without a Stanley Cup. That's not his fault, but it's not Ken Holland's fault either. It's his responsibility to get the owners there. But I think that, that you know, Oilers fans need to give him the opportunity to, to go through this summer and to make this team in, in a way that, that he believes is going to be successful and and you know as a fan i think that's probably the right way to go it's it's not it's not necessarily my way or your way but it's his way and we'll see how it goes uh because i i didn't think mike smith would have the year he just had so ken holland might know a lot more about old people than the rest of us uh al just one final question for you i think i might have said that before the last question but i promise this will be the last one it just came to me let's say flash forward a year we're heading into the 2022 nhl entry draft do the oilers have a first round pick or was it traded at the deadline for a player to add for a playoff run well, I will use the the uh, words of uh, Izzy Mandelbaum and say it's go time. So I, I, my suspicion is you don't have a first-round pick next summer at this time. <laughs> Seinfeld reference? Yes. <laughs> Anytime you can work those in, I'm a big fan. Al, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Have a great day. Excellent stuff from Alan Mitchell of TSN 1260. You can hear him on the Lowdown with Low Tide. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until noon. You can also get his work at The Athletic and give him a follow on Twitter at Low Tide. He's a good mix of comedy slash hockey history slash Oilers tweets. I highly recommend you give him a follow. And uh, I guess I threw him off there a little bit with my Darnell Nurse thing. I thought I would just go through every single player and we could just agree on things. He decided to go silent and made for some awkwardness, but... If you've ever heard Al and I have a conversation, that's not really out of the ordinary. In fact, I think we have a long history of doing so, but that's a conversation for another day. Let's continue the discussion on Duncan Keith and the trade. Of course, Demethon Oilers bringing in the veteran defenseman. He's got the winning pedigree. And one thing that I've taken away from this trade, now we're a few days out, Nobody seems to dislike the player or dispute what Duncan Keith can bring to the Edmonton Oilers as a second-pairing defenseman. The issue is the salary that was not retained and paying $5.5 million to that defenseman. But we're going to bring in someone who's covered him for the last decade down in Chicago to to share his thoughts and see what we can expect from the veteran blue liner going forward. A conversation that I had, we'll get to a conversation that I had with Char- We'll get to a conversation that I had with NBC Sports Chicago's Charlie Rumeliotis. 
We now bring in Charlie Rumliotis. He covers the Chicago Blackhawks for NBC Sports Chicago. You can give him a follow on Twitter at C Rumliotis. And uh, Charlie, first things first, appreciate you doing this today. How are things going? Oh, no problem at all. It was a pretty um, low-key off-season for the Blackhawks up until this Duncan Keith trade. So I kind of had to dust off my brain a little bit and, and go back into hockey mode. Um, so it's, it's nice to be talking hockey again, and things are kind of ramping up here in the next couple weeks with some activity going on. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, like you said, lots to get to eventually here. The buyout window open, Minnesota Wild making a lot of news on Tuesday, and of course on Monday it was the Oilers and Blackhawks shaking things up in the hockey world. Big trade, Duncan Keith going to the Edmonton Oilers, going the other way, Caleb Jones and a conditional third-round pick. Uh, I mean, you, you cover the team, you're in touch with the fan base. What was the reaction like when this news broke? Yeah, it probably wasn't the same reaction uh, as the Edmonton uh, fan base, <laughs> uh, but it, it was a little bittersweet here in Chicago, um, given his stature here in the city and what he accomplished. You know, this isn't some other cap casualty where, you know, it's like a, a Brandon Saad who gets moved and he, he's a beloved figure for a few years. Like, this is a guy that's going to have his number hanging in the United Center rafters and you know, I wrote the other day, too, that I think he's the best defenseman in Blackhawks history, and that's saying a lot, given that, you know, Pierre Pallad and Chris Chelios and Doug Wilson have also sported um, the Chicago sweater. So, um, yeah, but but overall, I, I think as far as the trade goes, I, I think, you know, the Blackhawks obviously were approached by, by Duncan Keith, and he was the one that initiated this trade request to, to go closer to Western Canada, where his son is, because he only saw him once over a five-month span last season. So I think if you're the Blackhawks, you're pretty thrilled about what you got in return. And the kicker here is that they didn't retain any salary, Rich, uh, which I'm sure Edmonton, uh, the Edmonton fan base is kind of up in arms about, given um, their situation as well. In the last decade, there's a couple of words that can trigger an Oilers fan very quickly. Uh, the deal is one for one. That is one, referring to the Taylor Hall, Adam Larson deal. And now, no salary retained is currently another one. So, yeah, there's a, a few words to trigger an Oiler fan if you're ever looking to do so. So, I mean, it goes back to, I think, like last Monday, we start to hear the rumors that, you know, Duncan Keith requested the trade and uh, Canada, Edmonton, Alberta might be a request that he wants to go to. Were you surprised when you heard about the trade request? Um, no, I wasn't surprised, only because I knew how difficult it was on Duncan um, this past season, not being able to see his son uh, really because of the border restrictions. And I know the NHL is looking to get back on a normal schedule and, you know, life is starting to open back up and the restrictions aren't going to be um, as harsh, uh, we hope, uh, for this upcoming season. But it was still, you know, just spending the off season right now made him reflect on, you know, he doesn't want to be away from his son again. So we had heard rumblings about how difficult it was for, for him and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised too. It, it's not like he's at the, really like the end of his career he, where he's like a, a third pairing defenseman or like an in and out of the rotation guy. Like I still think he has a lot to contribute. And I think it was up, if it was up to him, he would have loved to finish his career in a Chicago sweater. But, you know, the circumstances dictated, you know, things are, are different now. And even the Blackhawks are, are kind of in this rebuilding phase. So I'm sure it was difficult on him too. Like he, he's, as competitive an athlete as I've ever been around. And I think that also weighed on him over the last several years where he, he's tasted the Stanley Cup three times and he's been this elite defenseman for a long time. And I think he just wants to taste it again. And so it was kind of a win-win for him where he's closer to his son and he's also 
kind of finishing his career with a potential contender. Going back to last season, uh, the, the haters, the naysayers are bringing up, you know, clips of uh, Braden Point walking past him and uh, just kind of some of the bad plays that he had throughout the year. Maybe not his best year. Is there reasons for that that were maybe outside of his control, bad situations, uh, maybe not the defensive partners he's used to, things like that? Yeah, I think there are a lot of reasons, and, and I don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, you know, like the, the Blackhawks have just been a, a really bad team defensively over the last three years. And you could obviously look at Duncan Keith's numbers, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of the, the analytics folks, and, and I listen, I'm, I'm a big analytics fan. Like, I really look at that stuff, but it is really hard to equate what the Blackhawks have been through over the last several years, given how, how much. Uh, how many scoring chances and high danger chances allowed that they've, I mean, they've just been, they've been really bad defensively. And it's, it's partly because they're, they're, they were getting used to a new system because they played one way under Joel Quinville for 10 years. And then it was another thing where last year they, they had so many rookies in the lineup and Duncan Keith's defense partner was often a rookie. And for him, he, he when he was really good in those cup years, it was Brent Seabrook. It was, Nicholas Jalmerson is who he was paired with. Like he didn't have to worry about his defense partner. So in Edmonton, like I, you know, he's going to be in a more sheltered role, and he's not going to be playing with a rookie defenseman where he kind of has to protect that guy, right? Like he's just going to be able to play hockey, and I think that's really going to play to his benefit. And so, yeah, you can look at all the numbers you want and and kind of look at and be like, wow, like Duncan's play has really trailed. I just don't think that's the case. I think. I think the play of the entire team has trailed, and it's hard for one guy to really pick up that slack. Now, Charlie, with the NHL expansion draft coming up, obviously the Seattle Kraken, the newest NHL franchise, I mean, the timing worked out pretty well for the Chicago Blackhawks. Obviously, they would have had to use one of their protected players on Duncan Keith. He's got that no-movement clause. With this trade happening now, it opens up a spot for them to protect somebody else, potentially Caleb Jones, potentially someone else. I mean... It sucks to lose a legend like Duncan Keith, but for the organization, for the fan base, the timing worked out pretty well. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that maybe that was a little bit of a surprising part of the trade, too, is the fact that it did happen before the Seattle expansion draft because you figured, you know, a, a lot of teams weren't really going to trade for a soon to be 38 year old <laughs> defenseman who has a full no movement clause that you had to protect in the expansion draft. So, unless you were a team that, that went the eight skaters route and you wanted to, you know, kind of protect, or, or you didn't really have a, a ton of defensemen that were high quality. And, you know, the, then I, I thought that the trade was going to be, happen after. So, yeah, Edmonton is obviously going to have to protect him, and, and Chicago would have had to as well. But it's interesting now, though, from, from Chicago's point of view, is I think, I think it's no secret that they're trying to get a big fish. And I think Seth Jones is one of those guys that they would love to pursue. And the fact that they did get Caleb Jones, it's, you know, Connor Murphy's going to be protected in the expansion draft. And then who's your second and third? Is it, Riley Stillman, is it Nikita Zadorov? Is it Calvin DeHaan? Is it a Caleb Jones? Like, is it a Caleb Jones? Like, do you risk, you know, leaving him unprotected in Seattle, taking him, and then you, you kind of, uh, I don't want to say ruin the pursuit of Seth Jones, but I'm sure that would be a nice nugget for, for, uh, for their pursuit of Seth Jones to have Caleb here and, and have them play together. Speaking of Caleb Jones, obviously he's one part of the return going the other way back to Chicago and then the other being that conditional third-round draft pick. Were you surprised with how much that the organization was able to get back in return and also retain no salary? Um, yeah, you know, I, I was a little bit surprised, but I, I also see it from, from Ken Holland's point of view where 
he wanted to get his ducks in a row but before he wanted to land a, a a player of Duncan Keith's pedigree and I think if you look at a lot of the if you look at the, the Tampa Bay Lightning this past season it's a lot of it was some of the veterans that were really contributing like like uh, Patrick Maroon and, and some of those veterans that really played um, key roles or not not significant roles but they they came they came in at key opportunities so I think Duncan Keith like again like I said earlier like he's as competitive a player as you'll ever find in the National Hockey League and he's going to bring that edge and he's going to bring that leadership and I know we're uh, his 5.5 million dollar cap hit like what do you equate the intangibles to but I really do think if you take the cap hit out of it um, Keith is really he, he's really going to be a solid fit in Edmonton I think the Oilers fan base is really going to like him um, it, it'll take a while to warm up because I'm sure it's always going to be attached to the price tag that they paid for him and the no salary retention but I think I think that that that's going to pay dividends when when uh, the postseason comes around yeah, and it's been really funny, like, working with TSN 1260. There's been so many people that have been, you know, ripping on the trade, but it's not it's not ripping on Duncan Keith because everybody knows the resume. Everybody knows what he can bring to an NHL lineup and on and off the ice, that that sort of thing. But it seems to be just, you know, not retaining the salary and, and giving up that third con- conditional pick. It, it could be something. We'll wait and see. And obviously, if it is kicked into a second-round pick, then obviously it was worth it. But, yeah, I feel like right now everyone in Edmonton is starting to warm up to the idea of having a future Hockey Hall of Famer, Duncan Keith, on the team. One thing that I've brought up and, and had the discussion with some people around town is just, you know, the effect he's going to have on the younger players Obviously, Evan Bouchard, potentially Philip Broberg, Ethan Bear, but not just that. I mean, this guy's going to be able to teach Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl, Darnell Nurse. Can you speak just a little bit to what this guy can bring as as an influencer, a role model, and just off the ice? Yeah, no, no question. I mean, he was obviously in a leadership role here in Chicago for, for so many years, but like, his calmness in the locker room and on the ice. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen Duncan Keith with his stick on his knees tired after a shift. And, and we, we saw that 2015 Stanley Cup final where he was averaging 31 plus minutes a night and, and won the Conn Smythe trophy unanimously. Um, I know he's not that same player anymore, but I mean, he, he is certainly going to provide some sort of presence both on and off the ice. And, and again, like, I, I do think Edmonton is going to, to warm up to him and, and they are going to appreciate what he brings to the table. And I, I totally understand also what, where they're coming from, where they might feel like this guy's 38 years old and he might be washed up and they didn't retain any salary, but I don't think you're getting a washed up Duncan Keith. I think you're getting a hungry, you're getting a hungry Duncan Keith, but he still has some, some things left in the tank. And even if you watched the, um, the media availability, you know, he said when training camp rolls around, we'll see who's a step behind on the ice. So, like, that's his, that's his motivation. Like, and he's going to back that up. You, you watch. He's not just saying that because he feels um, like he needs to prove himself. Like, he'll back it up through his actions as well. Do you think there is a chance that, you know, Edmonton will get a more motivated Duncan Keith just under these circumstances, maybe hearing about what people said? Or is he just such professional that, you know, he doesn't need to hear those sort of things to, to be motivated and ready to go? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if the external motivation um, will will really. Um, I don't know if it bothers him as much as it uh, might others. I, I think that the motivating part for him is how hard the last several seasons were in Chicago for him, especially during a rebuilding year. Like he, he's he's so competitive that he wants to win, but he also wants to contribute in a big role. And so I think the two things that stand out to me is why you're going to get him 
um, motivated and hungry is the fact that he is going to be closer to his son and he can he's able to enjoy that time with him. But at the sec- at, and and also he's going to be in a little bit more of a sheltered role and he's going to be playing for a potential contender and playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and Darnell Nurse. So like th- those guys, he's gonna he's really gonna. Um, He's really going to get a kick out of playing an extra motivation, kind of this refueled energy. Because let's face it, I mean the Blackhawks have not made the playoffs for for the last four or five seasons. If you if you discount the the bubble, so you know that that's just going to be a rejuvenation for him. Now, my final question for you is: What can you tell us about Tim Soderlund, the uh, the throw-in piece, perhaps? Yeah, what I can tell you, he's a smaller guy, but but he's really fast. Like it, like, and, and I think that really suits the Oilers. Obviously, playing with a guy like McDavid and Drysaddle. Now, he's obviously tiny, and I don't know if you should necessarily expect him to to really be a, a perennial NHL player. But if he does crack the NHL lineup, he, he is a guy that would fit Edmonton's system, where he plays fast. He's very speedy. Um, you'll you'll see him flying around the ice with it with his skating ability. So. Um, as far as I don't know how his production is gonna is gonna go at the NHL level, but I would just say that the fit is there. If there's anything to hold on to as an Oilers fan, this would this guy would would fit that system if he does get the chance with the Oilers. There's a chance. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, Charlie, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. No problem, Connor. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Charlie Rumeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago. Really appreciate him giving some time and joining us here on the Other Connor Podcast. And that's going to do it for another edition of the show. Got to thank Charlie and Lotai for hopping on this week. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening to the show. Coming up on the next episode that will drop on Tuesday, we'll know who the Oilers are protecting and who they might be losing to the Seattle Kraken. We'll discuss that and as well, free agency, the draft, and much, much more. Got to thank our sponsor one more time, DraftKings. If you are going to sign up, do so responsibly. And make sure to use promo code THPN while you do so. Big thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.